today. My title actually comes from a preacher that I, I, I have listened to occasionally. His name is Al Martin, who preached for some 40 years in a, a church in New Jersey, not too far from where we used to live. Uh, I used to live in New Jersey. Um, and he had, I think it was a daughter, let's just say it was a daughter, similar to I have a daughter, who is a missionary. And she was off in the, somewhere across the world. And she was having children out there, like my daughter has done. And uh, so some of the people in the congregation said, hey, you know, pastor, hey, that must be really hard. And, you know, you're, that's a real genuine sacrifice because you're, he didn't have nine kids having babies. You know, I don't have nine kids having babies either. either. Uh, only six so far. <laughs> but, um, you know, his only grandkids are living halfway around the world. And so they said, is, is, this is a sacrifice, pastor. Um, and, and in the middle of this sermon, he's explaining this. And he says, I said to them, hell is real and life is short. You know, boom. Why are they on the mission field? Because hell is real and life is short. It's worth sacrifice when we understand the actual context in which we live. And today's passage brings that actual foundational reality into very sharp, sharp contrast today. I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher, uh, but if I if I had a hellfire and brimstone preaching sermon, this would be it. It's on Super Bowl Sunday, 2019, <laughs> and it's my 60th birthday. So you know, all of those things coming together right here before. <laughs> and and uh, I don't approach this passage, you know, in a sense of any sense of glee or giddiness. In fact, as you read these words, we should cringe and wrestle uh, with the holy word of God. It's, it's not to be taken um, lightly in any way, shape, or form. So allow me to read again the words of Jesus, Mark nine forty two through the end of Mark 9. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye, then with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. The salt is good, 
But if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Let's pray. Father, we again, in this worship service, we praise you for your grace. And as we hear these harsh warning words from Jesus, we praise you for the grace of salvation, the promise of life uh, through faith in Christ. And also, Lord, we humbly ask that you teach us and guide us um, as we look at this passage of Scripture. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, so we start out uh, with this image of someone causing a little one who believes in me to sin. In the context, Jesus has been already talking about little children. Uh, He held one in his arms, see in verse 36, he took a child and put him in the midst of them. The, The disciples are in a house in Capernaum, possibly Peter's house or something like that. It was a place he was familiar with. He was there frequently. And he brings a child, again, possibly, probably a child that he knew. Like, you know, we have the privilege of knowing the kids here, you know, one of the kids. Uh, so he, he takes the child, sits him there in the midst, and then takes him in his arms, you know, lovingly embracing him. the child Jesus is, see, in verse 36. And he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me. Some amazing, uh, some amazing syllogism, amazing run of logic there. Uh, you can receive God, the one who sent Jesus, by receiving a child. And there's much to think about. We've, uh, we've opened that up a couple of times in the last couple of sermons. And he's still on that topic. Uh, and this is interesting because it's, it's definitely literal. He's thinking about actual real children, that we should respectfully love and care for little children. And, and, but it's also a metaphor for those who believe in him. Remember, he says, to, to believe in me, you become like a child, and you trust the word of God, and you are like a child in faith. Then you enter the kingdom of heaven. That's the only way there, to become like a child. And so when he says in our verse today, 42, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. Um, He's thinking about the children, but also believers, other believers. And the causing to sin is obviously pretty grave. Uh, The the offense is that I did something to this individual that caused them to sin, got them derailed uh, off the track. I've done something horrible. and what is the punishment for it? He said, and notice the, the phrase as I read it, I tried to emphasize it. It is better. It is better. It is better. He's saying that several times. Uh, and in our case, he's saying that it's actually better for this individual if he had a large millstone. There's different kinds of millstones. There were actually ones that were you know, turned by hand, human-powered. But this one is literally a donkey-powered millstone quite large. And it would be a better treatment for that individual if he had this great millstone hung around his neck and have him thrown into the sea. We're, you know, we're privileged to be right here. Uh, just, you know, just a few miles out. 
There's a deep canyon in the ocean, deep water ocean, very close to us, two miles deep, uh, coming out of uh, Moss Landing. And the uh, image is being cast into that. that and, and the thing is, what would happen in that case? You'd die within a few minutes, three or four minutes. It would be horrible. It would be horrendous. But you would be annihilated. Your, your life would cease uh, very quickly. It would be horrible, painful, but you would be annihilated. And Jesus says that would be a better treatment for this individual who causes the young one to sin than to go into hell because hell is not annihilation. The better treatment would be to be annihilated. Hell is, from this text, we'll see it several times, it is ongoing torment. Uh, It is not brief or temporary. So uh, what more should we say about that? The, the little one is caused to sin, and the millstone treatment would be better. I think we'll come around to this at the end, but obviously think about this. How are we affecting other people? We are not alone. We are responsible for how our lives affect other people. We should be thinking very carefully. Children in our society are, are hurt and abused and damaged by... Horrible treatment from humans, from adults, from a lot of men abusing children. Um, We think they're powerless, that no one knows, no one sees. But God clearly sees, and he's expressing his hardest condemnation. Uh, They have hell to look forward to. And, of course, the context is they aren't repenting of this sin. Uh, They are denying it. They're hiding it. uh, They're probably repeating it. So... He's threatening them very harshly. Then he moves into this section about uh, the cutting off of various parts of our body. Let's look at a real quick context here. Look at chapter 7. This, this is some of the highlight words of, of Mark. Um, chapter 7, verse 20 It's a, is that rain? I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Verse 20. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy. That's 10. 13. Uh, I think it's 13. 11 is slander, pride, and foolishness. Yeah, the dirty 13. And where do these things come from? Do they come from my hand? Do they come from my foot? Do they come from my eye? No, they come from within. Uh, I remember I said we, we walk around, we move around, we have portable filth generators. You, you produce your own filth right out of your heart. If you I don't know about you, but this happens to me uh, way too frequently. I was riding my motorcycle the other day, just cruising along. You know, the nice thing about my motorcycle is there's no radio. (laughs) Because when I'm in the car and there's a radio, I always have it on, you know. But I don't have a radio in my... So I'm just sort of thinking and talking and arguing with myself constantly. And then, whoof, this, this bank, this 
um, massive, you know, what am I looking for? This massive reality of evil thoughts came in. You know, I'm struggling all of a sudden with lust and temptation. Uh, on, you know, and I thought, where, where did that come from? You know, I was just minding my business here. And so we're kind of tempted to think, well, that, that evil is outside of me. And there is evil outside of us. But Jesus is saying, wait a minute, you have a portable filth generator. It comes right out of your own heart. So that's where de- repentance needs to begin. Uh, what are you thinking? What are you, uh, what are you thinking about? You need to repent of these things. So, again, that context is important in, in our text today because Jesus is, is not literally advocating that we cut off our hand or cut off our foot or gouge out our eye. Uh, but what he's saying is, we can't just let sin rule in our lives. That's actually a quote from the book of Romans. Do not allow sin to reign in your mortal bodies. Don't let sin be the king. You've got to quit running around saying, well, I'm a victim of my bad habit. Jesus is saying, you have to be aggressive with your bad habit and deal with it decisively. Clearly, that's at least what he's saying. I don't, again, no, virtually no one thinks this is literal. Um, it, it means be aggressive with your sin. And how does he go about it here? Well, he says, it would be way better if in the struggle with your own sin, you, you whacked off your hand. I mean, it's a horrible image. I, I didn't want to put any image like that on, on the screen, but so I put cutting a bagel. You know, that's close enough, right? <laughs> um, I mean, oh, Jesus, why are you being so violent? You know, why, why, are you, why are you saying these bloody, gory things? We're thinking about, you know, smashed bone and blood. And, you know, it's horrible, Jesus. Well, he says, you know what? That's way better than to continue on in unrepentant sin and go to hell for it. Why? Because hell is not a temporary punishment. It is eternal. It's the thing to avoid. It's sort of the foundational structure upon which the gospel is built. In other words, if, if hell wasn't that bad then Jesus' salvation from it isn't that big of a deal. But since hell is worse than you can imagine, it would be better to deal with it, deal with your sin. Do not deal with uh, your sin lightly. Be aggressive. Jesus teaches that uh, the downside to unrepentance is worse than can be imagined. Uh, this video is not unavailable. He says, let me explain it to you. Again, let me read the uh, words of Jesus. This is Jesus. This is a controversial issue, granted. You will, within like, you know, 32 seconds, you can find in Google uh, some theologians who will say, actually, no, uh, Jesus is, they don't say it this way. Forgive me for being biased. They would say Jesus is wrong and hell is actually annihilation because God is too loving and too kind. This idea of eternal hell is too horrendous. And I agree, it is horrendous. 
That's not really the issue. The issue is what does the Bible actually teach? And here is Jesus teaching it. He's the proponent of this. Uh, He's saying, yes, annihilation, like being thrown into the depth of the sea with a big millstone around your neck, that would be way better than this. Because this is horrendous. Again, again, looking at at the words, he says, then with two hands to go into hell to the unquenchable fire. And then, uh, again, verse 45, if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off, for it is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out, for it is better to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die. Again, horrible image. The the worm is constantly eating. It doesn't ever stop. The maggots continue to eat in hell. The worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. It never goes out. It's called the lake of fire in the book of Revelation. Now, interestingly enough, one of the biggest books of the Bible is Isaiah. And this this is a quote from Isaiah. It's the very last word of Isaiah, the very last verse of Isaiah. So it's Isaiah 66. That's actually an interesting little coincidence. There's 66 books in the Bible, and there's 66 chapters in Isaiah. And the second half of Isaiah is is more about salvation, and the first half is more about condemnation. But if you look at verse 24, this is where Jesus gets this word, And here it's actually a literal, physical uh, result of war. It says, And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Now Jesus is taking that literal description of a battlefield. It's horrendously awful, awful and horrible. Um... And saying that's what hell is like. Hell is is unimaginably horrible, and it it is definitely eternal punishment. One verse that you can also look at for this, by the way, is Matthew twenty five forty six. Matthew twenty five forty six. Jesus is teaching about the final judgment here, and he says, "And there will." Excuse me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Again, 2546, Matthew. There's an absolute comparison between some go to eternal life and others go to eternal punishment. If we say one is annihilation and the other is a forever experience, it makes no sense. And it reduces Jesus' words to, I'll believe what I want to believe, Jesus, and I'll tell you what's right. Again, not, not a, a position I want to be in myself. Um, again, many, many artists have tried to capture this idea, and I just thought I'd give you a little, very, very brief survey of one piece of art. It's called The Gates of Hell. Anybody ever seen it? Oh, man. Torstein has seen it. All you have to do is drive to Palo Alto. Go to Stanford University. 
and they have a, a copy of Rodan's The Gates of Hell, um, and it's a big, huge brass door, and uh, there is the, that, see right there, that's the thinker right there, uh, sitting above the door, sort of contemplating hell. What, what is the door? It's a lake of, it's all bronze, but it's like a lake of fire, and honestly, it's horrible. There's, there's, they say there's 180 humans uh, here, images, and they're writhing in pain in the door. And the thinker is thinking about this. Some people say this is Adam thinking about the results of his own sin. Uh, all of the generations and millennia of pain and suffering that came because of his sin. Uh, we don't know what the artist actually intended. So the gates of hell is an example of art that uh, represents this sobering fact that Jesus teaches us here that hell is permanent. And you know, and as I was preparing this, thinking about this, I thought, so I'm going to be talking a lot about hell being permanent because this is a primary passage on that idea. And I thought, well, you know, that's not really fair because Jesus spends just as much time saying that you can go to heaven. You're going to heaven. You avoid hell. You go to heaven. So let's have a sermon about heaven, which is good too. But then I thought, you know what? Everybody believes in heaven. I mean, you know, everybody teaches that, if they have, unless they're atheists. Uh, it's the going to hell part that our society is working really hard on trying to remove from the Bible. So, so no, hell is real. Jesus teaches that punishment and eternal life are eternal. Salvation does not come simply for most of us. Yes, there's an initial act of faith, receiving Jesus, but that faith is demonstrated in our lives as we follow Jesus. Let me explain what I just mean. Think about what he said here. Uh, let's say he says, cut your hand off, cut your foot off, gouge out your eye. Couldn't we say, excuse me, wait a minute, Jesus. Uh, the Bible clearly says I'm saved by saying that Jesus is Lord and believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And now you're telling me that if I don't give up habitual sin in my life, I will not be saved? You know, and I think the, that's a good question. And that's clearly what he's saying. He's saying that salvation that is real, brings conviction of sin in our lives. And a, what did our psalm say? The brokenhearted he heals. The defiant, he doesn't heal. The people who say, I don't need forgiveness, I'll deny this. Um, or the other person who says, I know I can get away with this because God is forgiving. Uh, no, no, this is, a, this is saying you, you deal aggressively with this. And as God gives you grace where you feel conviction of that sin still, cut it off. Because there may come this horrible time when you choose to sin and God will say, okay, I'm going to turn you over to a reprobate mind. You, you will not have another opportunity to repent. Now, again, that's not a popular idea, but that is a biblical idea. Uh, there comes a time when you, when you cross a border and... There's no repentance for you because God will take it away from you. He actually takes that option away from you. 
salvation, yes, comes to that initial act of faith, but that initial act of faith should show itself in a repentant life that aggressively deals with sin. Uh, this is a fantastic holy scripture from 1 John 1. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He's just because he paid for our sins. To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, but there's an if phrase at the beginning. If we confess, uh, if we come brokenhearted, if we are willing to repent, then he forgives He doesn't forgive those who defy him. And in fact, that's what he says in verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This text is very clearly in a sober warning against just allowing sin to continue to dominate our life. Um, Let's see here. Yeah. So you can be forgiven, and here's a you know that we like this little illustration. Life is short; hell is forever. Repent and have faith in Jesus. Grace, God's grace in the cross, the burial, resurrection of Christ, will bring you to life eternal. You know, this is not about condemnation. This is about offer of salvation ultimately. Now let's look at the rest of the text that we're going to finish with today. He says. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Verse 48. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Now, this is like a conundrum in interpretation. Lots of people, you read five commentaries, and they'll have five interpretations of this, just about. Uh, but I have the inspired interpretation. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't. But I, I think that if we keep it in the context where fire is judgment of God, fire is the judgment from God, everyone will be salted with fire. We will all experience a bit of judgment. We'll all experience a bit of pain. As I said uh, a little salt's really good. Like, you know, this beef to me wouldn't be very good at all if it didn't have some salt in it. Salt is good. It's intended by God to uh, help us. And the Word of God says this For the wrath of God is revealed. Now, in the Greek text, that is a present tense verb. In fact, I think the NASB. The New American Standard Bible says, for the wrath of God is being revealed. There's an ongoing revelation right now. God is revealing his wrath right now. It's like salt being thrown into our lives. We're feeling the results of our own sin. There's some pain. There's some stress. There's you know, lack of harmony and peace in our homes because of our own sin. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So we should be benefited by the pain that God brings into our life. He's bringing it for a reason so that we will turn more fully to him and we will repent. 
He says salt is good in verse 50. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, and I think you could say, but if the experience of pain and wrath in our lives doesn't have an effect on us, it's no longer salty to us, then it's, it's no good. And we actually pass, we can pass a line of resistance with God where he says, again, from the book of Romans, he'll turn us over to a reprobate mind uh, where we won't be able to repent anymore. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves uh, and be at peace with one another. One of the uses of salt, of course, is uh, back east where it's been super cold. They cast the salt on the streets, right? And it melts, melts the ice. Salt is, is very useful. And God is saying that the pain that comes from our sin is intended to be useful to move us to repentance. All right. So what am I saying today? This is what I'm trying to say. First of all, take the warning. Jesus is giving us harsh warning here. Deal with the sin in our lives. Be aggressive. I once, you know, simple things. I, I was like counseling with a, a guy who was trying to quit smoking. And that's a very difficult thing. Very, very difficult. Deep set addiction. And, but this guy believed that God wanted him to stop. You know, but he's still buying cigarettes. I said, you know, uh, Jesus said, if your hand offends you, cut it off. It seems like you could stop buying cigarettes. Now, that's glib because I'm not a smoker, right? You don't know the power of that cigarette. True, true. But Jesus says, take aggressive action. You know, if, if Internet porn is causing you to stumble, you've you got to whack it off. You've got to find a hatchet and cut it, break it somehow. Uh, find a solution. Quit, tr- quit claiming victimhood uh, of, of your thing. Take the warning because the temporary pain is way better than the other option. Again, Jesus is leaving open this huge chasm here. You know, let's not get too close, but let's peer down into the chasm. What is, it, what is he saying? Is he saying that people who were a part of the church, they were very active, they grew up like quick plants, like the sower, uh, but they came to a place in their life where they had a big choice. Well, I'm either going to obey God or I'm just going to sin because I need this in my life. I'm going to go ahead and do this thing. I'm going to marry this individual. I'm going to do this, whatever it is. Uh, is he saying they're going to hell for that? Well, honestly, you have to look at that at least. He's saying if you're not willing to aggressively deal with the sin in your life, uh, it would have been better if you whacked your hand off. I'm not trying to over, be overdramatic. This is a dramatic text. So take the warning. Let us all take the warning. Secondly, be mindful. Think of, think of Rodan and the thinker. The thinker is often uh, independent of the hell, gates of hell. You'll see you know, various thinkers around. But remember, it belongs to the gates of hell. The idea is, let's look at the results of sin and be mindful of it and repent. Use that as energy to repent. Be mindful of how your life impacts others. 
Now, this should cause the fear of God in all of our lives. Oh, God, forgive me and strengthen me. And then uh, repent of your sin now. Clearly, the response Jesus is going for. And then uh, I say, come out of the cold. Come into the warmth of forgiveness and love and truth and transparency, he says. uh, And be at peace with one another. Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen.